afternoon, everyone. It's different, huh, when uh, Gary's not here and we don't see Todd. Doesn't it seem different? Yeah. It is different, and it's different when you're not here. Always remember that. There's something about the gathering of the saints. We, I feel like uh, a mother or father, I should say, um, <laughs> with, a bunch of ch- with, with a bunch of children looking around to see if they're here, to make sure they're all right. And, I, and maybe that ties into what I'm preaching on today, but something about when a child of God that we love isn't in our midst, we, we come up immediately with a little concern. I think there's a spiritual truth in there somewhere that may apply to this sermon. Anyway, so today, um, my assignment from our brother Gary, um, and which is amazing, uh, every time he does this, the things he assigns me um, is through the Spirit of God, no doubt. I don't know if the other brothers have noticed that, but um, he, he has a gift there, and it's his character um, and it comes out natural from him. And that's what, why we have the men that we have here and the teachers and preachers that come up that Gary knows exactly who to plug in. And uh, it's a gift. It's a gift from the Spirit. So I thank him. Thank him. And I think he's watching us in Columbia right now. But we'll, he'll let me know, I'm sure. All right, First Timothy 4. We'll be reading verses 1 through 7. Gary will pick up next week on verse 8. First Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 7. I'm in the uh, ESV. Now the Spirit expressly says that in a later time, later time some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose conscience are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence, or, yeah, and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. If you put these things before the brethren, the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Alrighty. So here we go. So last week our brother Pat um, talked about truth, the truth of the gospel, um, how one should conduct themselves in the household of God, the truth that is built upon and around the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the church of the living God, the bride of Christ, the pillar and the support of the truth. Our Savior took on flesh so that he might ransom, pay the price to redeem sinners chosen before the foundation of the world. It is his church, his blood, his body. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus' sinless, perfect life 
His body, His blood, His sacrifice, His atonement, His church for His people. And you're a part of it. You who are His today are blessed beyond comprehension because you know the truth. We are the people of the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of truth. Part of the pillar and the supports of the truth are the facts about heaven and hell. Repentance and faith. It's two sides of the single coin, repentance and faith. Adoption, election, forgiveness, justification, sanctification, glorification. Some of these elements of the faith, the basic facts that the Word of God teaches that we stand upon and we treasure and we love. We have the Word of God which convicts us, which, which um, continues to bring truth to our hearts. We are people of the book, the written Word of God. God uses truth to penetrate our hardened, calloused hearts to enable us to believe. We find life in Christ in His Word and we continue to read and study the truth to mature in Christ. Jesus prayed for those who are His. Sanctify them in Your truth, Lord. Your Word is truth. So because we are in Christ and we know the truth, we should be able to quickly see and expose lies that attack the truth. So immediately Paul, after writing about the truth of Christ, goes back to false teaching. He started off with false teaching in chapter 1. He talks about the importance of prayer, the role of woman in the church, um, qualification for elders, the, the truth of the gospel and the, and the, and the, uh, so the solid sound of sound doctrine and now back immediately to false truth, false teachers. This, this scripture today is a major warning about false teachers. It's something we need to hear. So St. Augustine and Hippo said once, the truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. You let it loose and it will defend itself. So that's my goal today, to let that lion go. I hope he runs rampant in our hearts and the truth settles in to protect you from false teachings and protect yourself from going astray. So that's where we're going today. So God's call to mankind is to respond to his word, his truth to see and believe the truth, and to come to Christ. On the other hand, Satan wants them to respond to his lies and be fooled and tricked into making up their own God of their own imagination, thinking that they're on the road to heaven when really they're on the road to destruction. We sometimes need to be reminded that we are in a major war, a battle between God and Satan, a battle between heaven and hell, good and evil, holiness and sin, truth and lies. The battle is for souls. Satan's goal is to trick and fool as many as he can into believing his lies. This war was, has been going on since the fall after creation. There never will be a truce. There will never be a time of peace until the second coming of Christ. The battle lines have been drawn. If you're in Christ, you will be victorious. So what Paul is writing about is apostasy. It's not a struggle with sin, but it could start that way. It's not doubting, but what it is is a deliberate turning away from the faith. 
The faith. Remember those words, the faith. I think Gary went over that in chapter 1 on the first sermon. It's the, it's the basics that Pat was talking about last week. The basics that we believe, the doctrines, the, um, the, the, the things we, we hold fast to that locks us in to, to the truth. God, Jesus being God. Things like that. Repentance, faith. Um, sometimes we hear of it and we wonder, um, did they, were they ever saved when they, when people turn away from and walk away from church, walk away from God, or come up with a new idea? Um, were they really true born again? We know that a true born again Christian cannot apostatize because they're bought and bought by the blood of the Lamb. And the Holy Spirit seals them and protects them from ever leaving the truth. But one can look like a Christian outside and not be one on the inside. When one falls drastically, we don't know for sure where they were spiritually. One in the Bible that often comes up for discussion and debate is King Saul. The Lord said that he regretted that he made Saul king. For he has turned his back from following me and has not carried out my commands. That's 1 Samuel 15 11. Where is he? We don't know. We don't know the heart. That's the thing. But God knows the heart. Some, there's no doubt. Judas Iscariot followed Jesus for three years, heard every sermon of the Lord, seen the miracles, went out with the twelve performing miracles. On the outside, appeared to be the rest of, as like the rest of the apostles, but he was a phony. He was a fake. In 1 Timothy, we read about Hynemus and Alexander, who suffered shipwreck of the faith. That's 1 Timothy 1. Demas, who forsook, forsook the apostle Paul because he loved this present world. 2 Timothy 4.2. Apostasy is a willful rejection of Christ or of his teaching. There's a interesting story in the Old Testament about King Amaziah of Judah. It comes from 2 Chronicles 25.2. It says of him, he did right in the sight of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart. His religion was only external. He knew a lot about God, the things of God, but it never left his head and went to his heart. Or he had a divided heart that allowed idols to take the place within his heart and King Amaziah turned away from following the Lord in Second Chronicles 25, 27. And it doesn't end well for him. So when the truth is only in the head and not in the heart, we're in a very dangerous place. It could possibly happen when something else occupies the heart. Paul says in verse 1 that the Spirit expressly says or explicitly says that some will depart from the faith. How? By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. As Paul penned scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says the Holy Spirit is clearly telling him that some are going to depart from the faith. We read in Acts 20 that Paul is with the Ephesian elders. He he knows his time is to depart from this world is coming close. The Holy Spirit has revealed this to him. He says to the elders, be on guard for yourself 
and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. These are the Ephesian elders, the same church that he's writing to in First Timothy. I know that after I depart, salvage wolves, wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock from among your own self. Men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. He's warning the elders it's going to happen. And it does happen. We read it throughout the, the epistles. We read it throughout the pastoral epistles. We read it in First John and Second John and Third John. Some will depart from the faith. So he's calling the elders to be on God. Interesting story that earlier this year, I was asked to teach a Bible study on Monday night in Munson. And um, I, I, I knew the lady. She used to worship here. Um, and she wanted to have a Bible study at her house. Um, and her pastor was too busy to do it, and there was no one else available. So I took the job on I asked Gary about it first, and he thought it would be a good idea for them and for me. So I took it on. And um, my second time there, he came in to, to, to observe and I said, you know what? There's a good shepherd. There's someone that's protecting his flock. He might even call Gary. And then we hit it off and we uh, rubbed shoulders together at the Bolton Conference. Um, he's a good man. In fact, he worshipped here at one time. Some of you may know him. John, I don't know his last name. But um, he, he, he was here from this church. Um, but anyway, the point is, he was on guide. He was watching over his sheep. That's what a good shepherd does, and that's what we need to do. And that's why I related that earlier this morning, saying that when people aren't here, it, it is something missing. It, it bothers you, you know? You worry about them, and you can't help that. So anyway, some and Gary and Todd haven't departed from the faith, by the way. <laughs> They're on vacation, praise God. <laughs> as far as I know, anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so some will depart from the faith. Paul, uh, Tim, Paul is telling Timothy it's predictable. It's to be expected. It shouldn't shock us. Some are going to fall away. Some translate it fall away, depart from. It's to remove oneself from a position originally occupied to another place. They've had a change of mind. Some new truth has come along. That they that's been revealed to them, and a lot of times they'll say it's been revealed to them by Jesus. It's a much stronger statement than one Timothy one six that says, "For some man straying, or one nineteen, some men ship, uh, suffered shipwreck." It's a purposeful, deliberate departure from a former position once held. It's a new truth that they came up with. So in a spiritual sense, they came very close to a place of being saved, but to depart from it. P, uh, Paul tells Timothy it's the last days. So we also know that this will take place because verse 1 says, in the latter time, later times, when Paul wrote this, he was in the later times, which puts us in the much later times. The later times are from the first coming of Christ to his second coming. It's very clear on this. The scripture tells, is all over the place. In Hebrews 1, it says, God has spoken long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. In these last days, he's spoken to us in his son. 
the last days. The Apostle John says, children is the last hour. 1 John 2.18. Peter said that Christ appeared to these last times for the sake of you. 1 Peter 1.20. So apostasy is predictable. It's happening more now because we're in the later, later times. And now, and it's happening more than ever. The departure from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching a demons. Behind all apostasy is Satan. The battle for truth in the kingdom of heaven is a struggle. It's a struggle because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces, against darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, Ephesians 6.12. Please notice that the departure is from the faith. Jude said in verse 3, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. There's nothing new. We have it all in the Bible. The faith. Stand strong on it. Um, he says um, apostasy, apostasy can be a subtle shift with a major implication. Some examples that I've heard that grace is superabounding, which it is, and covers all sin so it's not necessary to repent. The blood covers it all. John the Baptist, though, preached repentance. Jesus preached repentance. Peter, Paul, John all preached repentance. See a little subtle shift, a little change. It's a deliberate, intentional change from a position of truth that one once held. It's dangerous. They do they, those who do such things, says Paul in First Timothy four one, are deceiving themselves in deceitful spirits and teaching a demons. Here is the source of all apostasy. Satan, all his fallen angels. Jesus told some in, in, in John 8.44, he said, you are the, of your father, the devil. He told some Jews this. You are the father, your devil, who was a liar from the beginning. The truth is not in them. There's no truth in them. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Men don't come up with false teaching on their own. It's not their doctrine. They're lured away by the teaching of demons. The Bible is clear on it. All the lies that we see in the world today, abortion, men marrying men, woman marrying women, um, the prosperity gospel, celebrating sin, our government supporting it and encouraging it. Um, it's all from the prince of this world, Satan. Don't miss this. Years ago, my oldest son was in a secular school in Sturbridge, and I, it was the seventh or eighth grade, and he came home and was telling us how his friend had a girlfriend and she broke up with him, and um, the teacher seeing that the young man was upset, said to him, well, maybe girls aren't for you. Maybe it's boys. We couldn't get him out of there fast enough. But it's not, and then, and then long story short, we put him in a Christian school and he, and he went to a secular college and 
worse happen. But it's not the people. They're deceived by Satan. It comes from Satan. He's influencing the world, the leaders, and all the people in it. It, It's not, you can't protect them from everybody is what I'm trying to say. The only way they can be protected is to be bought by the blood of the Lamb and have the Holy Spirit within them. It's the way the world revolves. Um, So... That, 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 that's the point here is that when men make a move from truth, it's caused by, the, by demons. It's caused by Satan. It's caused by, we don't come up with this at all. In other words, the ones that came up with the Mormon religion and um, Jehovah Witnesses wasn't invented by man. It was invented by deceitful spirits. All right. Um, so, we need to we need to understand that that sound doctrine, sound teachers, and sound preachers is what we need to fill our heads with. Um, the Lord kept the Apostle John around for a long time, not be, only because he was the one that he loved, but also because he knew that Satan was going to try to get into the church in the later days when the Bible was being still penned, and so John was there to expose these truths. Um, in Second John 1, 7 through 11, he says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourself that you do not lose what we have already accomplished. There's been some gain there spiritually. He's saying, watch yourself. They're dangerous. We have to do the same thing. Um, he says, do not abide in, they do not abide in the teachings of Christ. He says, they do not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not even give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. That's how dangerous this can be. That's how dangerous this can be for the child of God. Verse 2, he says, we have the characteristics, of, now we have the characteristics of a false teachers. Um, demonic teaching comes through human beings. It, it, the source of the false teaching is supernatural, but the agents of the false teaching are natural. The NASB speaks it this way, it says, by means of hypocrisy and of liars, see it in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Demonic influence loves hypocrites. Why? Because they're not genuine. They're not authentic. They appear right on the outside, but on the inside they're full of deceit. Demons and deceiving spirits are allies with hypocritical liars. Those who live lies do great damage to themselves. The verse tells us that they say their own conscience. God gave us all a conscience for a reason. It's a God-giving, built-in ability knowing good from evil, right from wrong. It's like the check engine light on your dashboard. You can ignore it if you want, but something worse is going to happen, right? Um, there's a reason why we have God's given us a conscience. And what happens is when you, when you sear it, you, the word here in the Greek is cauter, where we get the word cauterize. There's damage done to your conscience which continue, when you continue to ignore it. So the nerve endings will no longer send the warning signals 
to the brain. And Romans chapter 2 speaks of the conscience. It says that Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law are a law to themselves. They're doing the law even though they don't have the law because they know right from wrong, instinctively, from a conscience. And that they, they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. So protect your conscience by listening to it. I hear from believers of besetting sin, a sin that uh, temptation that never seemed to go completely away. Use your conscience to control your thoughts. If your nerve endings have been seared or calloused, ask the Lord for a greater hatred of it and a, and a greater love for Him. He can reverse those things. Um, verse 3, They forbid marriage and they require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Um, typically, satanic teaching may contain a small element of truth. Did God really say? If a person has a gift to stay single, praise God. Also, if he has a desire to marry, then marry another believer, praise God. To forgive, to forbid marriage that God created to be good, especially for believers, right? It's, it's not bringing any glory to God. A, a child of God who marries a child of God brings glory to God because He designed it. See the little twist there of, of uh, wrong teaching? To, to say to abstain from marriage? I think the Catholic Church went wrong in this area big time. Um, what... They must have missed this verse. Um, and, the, and the same thing with food, right? Um, food is good. God made every, everything that he made during creation. He said, this is good. It was good. Food is good, praise God, right? Um, it, there's a place and a time for fasting, but um, bring on the food. Seth's got a barbecue. <laughs> Seth's ain't manning it over there. He, I, yeah, he smells like barbecue. <laughs> uh, so marriage and foods are to be received with thanksgiving. God's good creation. Good for those who believe and know the truth and glorify Him. God has, says, enjoy them. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether then you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Scripture will always defend the truth and expose the lies. Behaviors, uh, believers are complete in Christ and do not need to practice self-denial to gain salvation from sin and righteousness before God. We need to express thanks always for the physical and spiritual blessings. We know our God wants to give us good gifts. The false teachers say that they're not good and create an evil false conception of God. They make God look bad. Thankfulness unto God should be coming out of the lips daily of the children of God. Those who cannot thank God don't have a correct knowledge of Him. For we believe in Christ and we know the truth. So Paul says in verse 5 and 7, For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected. If received with thanksgiving, it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. I believe the word of God here refers to the gospel. He says, nothing 
is to be rejected or thrown away. When received with a grateful heart and, th- and a thankful heart. Now in the New Testament, all food regulations are gone. It is made holy. The NASB, the NASB says, sanctified, set apart from God for the enjoyment of man. Bring on the lobster fests, right? <laughs> Bring it on. It's all good now. In Christ. In the new covenant. No more food separate. No more food dietary laws. So enjoy and eat, people. Alright. And the, and the prayer is speaking, obviously, of grace. And nothing better than saying grace, huh? I love it. Christ has abolished the dietary laws. Jesus said in Mark 17, don't worry about what goes in the stomach. Worry about what goes into the heart. Eat and, and enjoy. So we see that the false teachers promote celibacy and absence from food. It's from teaching of demons. It denies the goodness of God and creation. It robs him of glory and the praise he's due for his goodness. If you put, and then he says in verse 6 and 7, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. So Paul charges Timothy to point these things out to the brothers, point them out to the church, the things of deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons, that when we come to warnings in the scripture, we take heed, we look at them carefully, and we apply them to our own hearts. This is what a good minister, a pastor, a servant does. We present the truth to the church, the flock, and we pray that the Holy Spirit will bring these truths to their hearts and minds. And we recognize lies presented by the, um, we recognize the lies and we present the truth, the truth of God's word to demolish them. One way the FBI trains its people to recognize counterfeit money is to continue to show them authentic money. So when we expose error by truth, that's what we need to do. If the more you know of the truth, the more you know of the word, the more equipped you are to expose lies. Um, That's what Paul says here. Be trained. The words of of, of the faith, the faith. Again, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. He's saying, telling Timothy, you, you started off right, continue on. Keep on keep keeping on. Always reading, always learning, always growing. Good doctrine, good training. Train yourselves in the words of faith. Keep running the race. Finish well. Don't get spiritually lazy. That should be a huge warning to all of us. Don't get spiritually lazy. Paul warned them of the errors that they that were to come. He says, some will definitely depart from the faith. Know the truth, Timothy, and stand firm in the faith. Interesting, um, in our study in Munson, we're in Ephesians, and we just did last week 4.14, which reads, Believers are not to be children tossed here and there, by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Know the word and be strong in it. You will protect yourself from error and sin and be devoted to the word of God. Study it. 
Meditate on it. Try to master it. Memorize it. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. If you're strong in the Word of God, irreverent, silly myths mean nothing to you. Uh, the NSAB says, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. It's speaking of fables, of short um, fairy tales for children to be read to at bedtime. It does nothing for you. Yeah, for children, it's got a place and a time. That's fine. But yeah, in fact, no, you're better off to read your children a, a story out of the Bible, I think. Um, I think Paul is saying, gird up the loids of your mind. The days are evil. Protect your mind with the truth of the word. Set time aside for truth. Saturate your, your mind. Flood it with Bible. Listen to, to good preachers. Um, read good books. Proven men of God. Ask the, I, so many Bible studies I do, I run things by Pat, and I run things by Gary, and I run things by Todd, and I'll be running them through Seth now. I, and, and some good men that I won't name, and, and a few times, Gary and Todd have said, I wouldn't go that far, you know? Um, everyone sometimes has a blind spot somewhere, but I don't, I, the last thing I want to do is say or preach or teach something that's not true. So I run it by the elders. Use it. Tell them who you listen to. Just because they're on a YouTube station doesn't mean they're good, my goodness, right? Ask the elders, hey, have you heard of this guy? You're putting yourself in danger. Be disciplined and intentionally place yourself in the channels of grace. There was a team, a soccer team from Europe that were exceptionally good. They had no great players, but the team played well. They just clicked together. And they were asked by a reporter, the coach, they asked the coach, why? How do these guys keep winning? They're just basic soccer players. He goes, that's it. They do the basics well. They do the basics well. And that's what we need to do. We need to do pe we need to be people who do the basics well. Read, pray, and study the Word of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for your holy word and how clear it is. Thank you for the, the Spirit of God that